The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. If you have toddlers in here, which are ages like five and under, they can be dismissed now. We actually have a little cage for them in the back, and we will give them back to you at the end of the service. Let me give you a sort of a layout on how we're going to move through this morning. Uh, I'm going to give you an overview of our week quickly, and then we'll have a slide presentation. You'll see some pictures of our trip, and then we'll have testimonies, and there will be five testimonies this morning, and then I'm, I'm going to share a couple thoughts with you as we close. So what I'd like to do this morning first is to introduce our, our team, the folks who went. So if you went on the mission trip with us, would you please stand just where you're at for a moment? I'll, I'm going to call your name so people know. Rachel, Corinne, Eric, Nick, Jacques. David, Sam, Dave, um, Travis, Michelle, Braden, Greg, myself, and then Jill, my niece, is not here. And where, did I miss Justin? Where's, oh, he's standing back there, and Justin. All right, so you guys can be seated. But that was the group that went. And then I'd ask this, the, the folks who are give a testimony, if you would just come now and just sit in the front here in this order, Eric, David, Justin, Greg, and Sam. Well, Sam, can you do that, or do you need to be back there for the slides? Okay, but you can stay until you're the last one, so it doesn't matter. Not that you don't matter, but it doesn't, I mean, the, the order. We've had a, a lot, good time with, with Sam this week, so. Let me give you an overview of our week, and let me just start by saying, um, I, I mentioned earlier, the work in Elmore that you're about to see could not happen without our church. And certainly these individuals had a chance, like we've done in the past, to represent our church. But we're so thankful for the ministry of Maple City Baptist Church. And we're thankful for the folks, not only who went, but the families who allowed them to go, uh, to be separated for that amount of time. The first four days in, there was no internet, there was no phone, there was no contacting anyone. And it's very difficult when you have family and, and loved ones back home. And so thank you for your sacrifice. I want to thank the folks who, who have supported this work for years now, um, in your giving of your time, your volunteering, your purchasing items for the trip, all the fundraising that takes place. Just thank you so much for all that you do to make this possible. And we feel privileged to go and represent our church, so thank you very much for that. We, we took off on the 26th of December. Uh, that was our travel day. Most folks were up by 3 a.m. We had to meet here by 4.30 a.m. Our flight took off at about 8.30. Uh, when we got to the airport, almost every bag was overweight. We, we had 15 bags. And so in the last minute, we thought we should probably take one extra bag. And so we had to reshuffle all of that. We made it. And, and the donations from our people were fantastic. You'll see many of them being given out during the craft time and uh, the different toys that were available. And uh, we, we flew from Detroit into Houston. There we met Travis, Michelle, and Braden connected with us there. And then we landed in Guatemala City, uh, which was, was the beginning of our trip. From there, we, took, we were on a bus. We took a, about a two-hour ride, I think, or so, uh, to the, uh, the town of El Moro. And uh, we had a, a hotel that we stayed at the base of the village, um, which was very nice. That's okay. That's, that's um, Devin and Steph's little boy. Congratulations, by the way. Good to see you here this morning. The first time I actually saw him in person. Um, see, all that, you need a soothing voice. That's all. They call me the baby whisperer. <laughs> this voice puts children and adults to sleep. 
And so we landed and uh, we got our stuff unpacked. That night, we, we, we took everything out of our bags to get them ready for the next day. The plan was to have three vacation Bible schools, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, uh, and also to build, to finish the roof, and to finish some projects at the school. So we started with breakfast at 7 o'clock in the morning, and then we got on, on our taxi ride up the mountain at 8 o'clock. And, and this, was, this was my first experience with this. Others had experienced in the past. But our taxi ride was a, a it's 4 by 4 pickup truck. Um, and in the bed of the truck, it's surrounded by just a few bars to hold on to, and we packed 16 people standing into the back of that truck. Um, you'll, you'll understand as you see the, the slides, the safety standards are different there. Uh, uh, yeah, they don't have any. And so 16 people were standing in the back of this truck, and so we take off down the highway, which was terrifying enough, right? Um, and then we come to the base where we start this off-road experience, and you are climbing for an hour in this truck. And, and it's, it's one of those experiences that I don't know how many times I just say, I'm sorry for touching you. I didn't mean to. Um, but, but by the end of the trip, we were really close with one another. Um, and it was quite the experience. I, that's one that I, I know I won't forget, nor will the people standing in the back of the pickup truck. truck. So we, we got there, and right away, it, it's, I, I know some people think this. They, they, they look at me this morning and said, did you go and just get a tan the whole week? And the answer is yes. I was sun tan, tanning. Uh, for five days. No, it's, it's really grueling work. Uh, when you get off the truck, you just start, and there were three and a half hours of just work. And the work entailed finishing the roof, um, which was, I don't know, about 30, uh, 35 feet. I, I don't know, how tall? Okay, that was the size of the roof. And how high, Jacques? About 20 feet in the air. Or so, and so that was taking place. There was painting to do on the cylinder blocks. There was mixing of concrete, right? And when you mix concrete, it's by a shovel and buckets of water. Um, it's just not like back up the truck and pour it. You, you mix it by hand. Um, there was digging ditches and trenches. Um, and, it, and again, it's not just digging in the dirt. There are rocks, and there's, you're using a pickaxe and a shovel and a hoe, and it's, it's, it's grueling work. And part of it is, as you're doing that, you're thinking to yourself, I can't wait to finish this, have lunch, and go into the vacation Bible school. But then when you do the Bible schools, you think, I can't wait to go back to work the next day. All right? And so, so the group worked that day, and the Bible club started at around 2 o'clock. But it was 2 o'clock Guatemalan time. So at 2 o'clock, there were 50 kids there. And it said, expect 200. But, but they just kept on streaming in. And so by the time that day ended, over 200 kids for the Vacation Bible Club. So we finished there, uh, went right back down, and uh, we had dinner together. And, and by this time, you're just ex- this is day one of working. You're exhausted. So we had a nice dinner. And that evening in our hotel, they planned a, there was a wedding going on, a wedding party. And the party started at 8 o'clock at night and continued. Does anyone remember the last time they heard music? 3.30? 1.30? I kept on hearing music at 3.30. Maybe it was just me. I don't know. But it was loud. It was obnoxious. Sam? At 5 a.m., people were still moving from. So there wasn't much sleep that day. So you get up. You get back in the truck. You go again. Um, and uh, let me get to where I need to be. Day, where am I at? Day two. No, that was, the, that was the end of that. Day three, we, again, worked. Day three, we had a little bit of an injury. Um, Justin was on the top, and, and, and we're working with sheets of metal. You're handing them up. And so 
Um, it's sharp. I, I have a little nick that I didn't have to have medical attention because I'm, I'm just a man. Um, <laughs> this is the way the whole week went. If you, there lots of sarcasm, lots of... Um, but Justin was up working, and he, he, he threw a sheet up of this metal, and the guy, whether he didn't catch it or just slid back down, it came back down and caught him on an angle um, on his forearm. Okay, I won't go into details, because I made, almost made someone pass out this morning by telling the story and going into details. Um, needless to say, there was a pool of blood on the bottom of the pavement <laughs> and a number of stitches inside and out. We, but by God's providential care, there was a man there who knew a doctor at the bottom of the hill and called him up. They, they took Justin in the truck down to the hill. He stitched him up, um, antibiotics, medication. He did it for free, for free. And so Justin was back in that, that afternoon, back and working in the Bible clubs. And so we were blessed by that. So day, uh, day two of the Bible clubs, uh, that, that day, after all of the work and the injury, 250 kids showed up. And unbelievable. And we run them through four different things. They have a Bible lesson. They have a craft time. They have an English time that we teach a little bit of English. And then a the games time. And so they just sort of rotate through that. Um, and had a great time. I have notes here that I can't tell you about. They're more personal and uh, funny, but we'll move through those. Um, so uh, day four was the day that we finished at the Bible Club there. We left at 8 in the morning. Again, all day, 250 kids. And instead of going an hour down the hill, we stayed there, had dinner there, and got ready for the celebration for the whole community. The project was done. And again, at 6 o'clock, um, we just had people start to, they start to stream in. And uh, I, I wish I could show you, and maybe this, we should have done this, but not just the kids who showed up, but the people in the village there who were so grateful for what we had done. There were these old grandmas, these, these Guatemalan grandmothers there, you know, 70, 80 years old, and they would kiss you and hug you and thank you for the work that you, you, you did. And so they were coming in, we had a presentation. We, we had a great um, uh, sort of a little play that we did, and, and Corrine had great words for that. It was a great message because we're talking about the idea of works, not getting you to heaven and being good. And, and the play part was excellent. The choreography, our, our folks did something with sparklers and sang a song. It was terrible. <laughs> um, the locals were actually, I think, smiling in the front after that, but I, it was good. And then um, had an opportunity to preach the gospel. And uh, 500 people... It seemed like the whole village was there. It was an amazing event. And through an interpreter, Sully did a great job. And we finished that night at about, I think, 9 o'clock or after 9 was when we got in the truck. And if you thought driving a pickup truck, um, standing up, up a mountain was, was precarious, you should try at night when you can't see anything. All right? It's pitch black. And we were just trusting that the driver was awake and paying attention. Because on this road, it, it's one lane. And you have to sort of pull over to the side. And on some of the portions of the side, you look down, and there's, there's nothing there. It's, it's really interesting. So safe and sound, got back then. I had dinner around 10. Uh, the next day was the day that we drove back into San Cristobal, two and a half hours there. Uh, by this time, totally wasted. I mean, I mean, the truth is, by this time, for those who have gone, you're just exhausted. It's just nonstop. And so that's sort of a rest day. That evening, we had testimonies, just a sweet time together, and, and that was a time that we were able to sort of send our messages to Facebook, to email. Uh, the next day was just a, a break day. Uh, it was New Year's Eve, 
And so we took that day to go into Antigua just to do some sightseeing, just to relax. And, and that's the day that when you go there, you don't drink the water. You just don't do that. But what we learned, and what most of us knew except for Jacques, is that in the marketplace, if you buy local food there, it's a bad idea. And so someone was selling cookies. They were like coconut. They looked and smelled, I'm sure, delicious. And Jacques ate one. Needless to say, Jacques was laying down the next day almost all day long. All right? he just, I don't know what happened. Either that he was just faking that he was sick. And then that night was New Year's. New Year's Eve is a big deal there. It's one of the, the biggest celebrations that they have. So you had to stay up until 12 to see the display. There's a balcony there. It was really beautiful. It was a, a beautiful sight. So you, New Year's, 1230 or so. And the next morning, we were scheduled to climb a volcano. We do one kind of fun thing for the group. So we got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to climb this volcano. And uh, you could just tell the enthusiasm on everyone's face at 4 in the morning. Um, and so we got packed up. We got to the volcano. It was cloudy, overcast, cold, miserable. It was a miserable trip. Um, it was miserable. We had made great memories. We finished off that night, and on Friday, Travis, Michelle, and Braden had to go back. And uh, that afternoon, we had a chance to go to Amatitlan. And, and again, they said, be ready for about 80 children. There were 115 that showed up. Had a chance to play some games, to have some crafts with them, and just thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. The, the team came back. The second part of the team came back. We took the red eye on Friday night at 11.40 out of Guatemala and returned to Detroit at 10.30 the next day. So that's the trip in a nutshell. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to show the slide presentation. And many of the things that we talked about you'll see. They'll be referenced again, I think, from some of the testimonies. And so this will give you at least a picture uh, of what took place during that week. Hello, brothers and sisters. Of Maple City Baptist Church. Thank you very much for the mission team and your very hard work and your commitment to our ministry in Guatemala. We are deeply thankful. And we love all of you. Amen. So what I'd like to do now is just have a different perspective from the folks that were there, all so many different experiences going on. So we're going to start with Eric. And Eric, when you, we go right from Eric to the order from Eric to David, to Justin, to Greg, and then to Sam. And uh, we'll hear some testimonies now. Brother Eric, thank you. Let me say first, um, to be part of what God is doing is magnificent. Um, let me give you Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. What you're going to hear today, and what you've seen already, um, the testimonies, the part of the vision that God has given Rudy and Suli. Deep in the mountains northwest of Guatemala City lies a people group unknown to most. They are a forgotten people. They live with, with, without most modern conveniences. Spread out miles into the mountain, they live with the land and the heat. But I'm also privileged to say there's another community far north from them that is willing to get behind them and pray for them and support this year's mission team to fulfill the vision to take the gospel to this group in the mountain. I see that uh, we, this, you can find this on Google, and I just wanted to show this because the terrain truly is mountainous. You're, Guatemala is just surrounded by mountains. And this tribe or people group, they're right 
in the mountains, quite literally. But how in the world do you get more than 500 people, men and women and children, to come to hear the message of salvation? To me, that sounds in, sounded impossible. But that is exactly what happened. After three days of painting, tearing down roof boards, and helping to put up a new roof, digging trenches, doing crafts, teaching English, and playing and loving the children, this is exactly what happened. I remember setting out chairs and expecting around 75 people to come out on, on this night. And obviously you can see we got more than 75. What happened that night seemed to me as impossible, but with your donations, your prayers, previous team's sacrifices, our mission team this year continued to share the gospel to these people. Pastor gave a clear presentation of salvation. Perhaps many heard for the very first time. Perhaps some will make a commitment to Christ. If you don't know already, these are my people. I too was born in Guatemala. Perhaps not in the mountains. Nevertheless, for what God has done in Elmora, for what this church has done, I am thankful. I am honored to be part of, of the team that went this year. For your sacrifices, I am also thankful. But there is more to the vision Rudy and Sully are asking for uh, one leader from this group. They're hoping to, to have fruit to for, for some to confess Christ and be willing to be used to continue the work that has been started. This, the seed has been planted. Please continue to pray for fruit and growth and that these people will turn from their idols and turn to Christ. Pastor called this the passion for souls. This, too, is a great vision. There is no doubt my heart was moved by these people. At one point, I... I noticed my son turning the corner, teary-eyed. I found out later he had given away his ukulele to a young girl he had met that had, that had touched his heart. My heart was touched. His heart was touched. I encourage all of us to let's keep that flame burning for souls in Guatemala, but also here in Chatham. We have, we have great visions Let's continue to pray for those around here. Let's have that passion for souls. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, I'm kind of a mess right now. <laughs> um, this is my friend Marvin. Uh, and the thing, uh, we get to go home, uh, back to Canada in our beds. And he has to stay there, you know. And, Okay. <laughs> this is the second time I had the opportunity to go to Guatemala, and the biggest thing I want to take away from this trip is the joy of blessing and blessing of giving and expecting nothing in return. When we take this trip, it costs us time, money, energy, among other things. And we are giving to people who can't pay for any of that. But on the same hand, we watch them sacrificially give to us. The gift I received from a little girl 
was banana. <laughs> you... You would think, what a funny gift. <laughs> Who gives someone a banana? It seems like a small, ins insignificant thing to give to someone. But that's all she had to give to me. Being there and feeling the joy of that type of giving, I don't want to lose that coming home. But then I realized I don't need to be on a missions trip to show this kind of love. I can do that on my, in my daily life. We have all been shown the greatest example of sacrificial love by the Lord Jesus. I want to show this kind of love not only in Guatemala, but also here at home. Um, unlike uh, Dave and a few, other, a few of the others on the trip, uh, this was my first trip uh, to Guatemala. And uh, it's, it is truly amazing what, what God is doing in Guatemala. And uh, it's, it's hard to describe um, until you, you see the love that people have for, for you coming over there and spending your time and energy there. And also Rudy and Suli as, as they look at you and just express an unbelievable thankfulness for the time and energy that that we give to them and the love that we give to them. Um, as Pastor mentioned uh, one week ago today, um, I had the unique opportunity to go to another another city nearby. And uh, the city was San Augustine. And as we drove into the city, uh, I looked around and, and there are so many men and and young men just sitting around doing nothing. Uh, and I, I wondered to myself uh, kind of what the purpose of, of them being there was. And then we went to a, we went to a different um, a store to pick up a few things we needed. And I was, sitting, I was standing outside of the truck waiting for a few of the guys to come out of the store. And I, again, I looked around. And there was, I think, I think it was a bar or something next door to where we were. And again, there are so many people that are just sitting around doing nothing. Even in the store where we were, there was a man just sitting there. And it seemed like the woman in the store, she was the one that was kind of running things. And, and the man just sitting there, he probably sat there for 10 hours a day. And again, I wondered, I wondered how, if these people wondered, why am I here? What is the purpose of me being here? And after sharing that later with, uh, with Pastor and, and, and my wife, Sam, um, they brought up the fact that it, it's the same thing here. There are so many people that are wondering, what's the purpose of me being here? But here we have so many more distractions, and there there's just time. But we still have a mission here. There are still people that are searching for a purpose here. And we have such a fantastic opportunity to, to tell everybody what their purpose of life is and that there is a purpose, that it's not just here, uh, we live, we die, and that's it. Another thing that struck me while we were there is the fact of how the gospel unites. Uh, a, a few different opportunities when we're with the children, uh, even with the adults, we're singing songs in Spanish uh, the exact same songs that we sing here in English. And we're on the other side of the world, but we're singing the same songs. 
is the amazing thing of how the gospel unites is uh, touching, I think, to every, every Christian when they really realize that, um, that this unique bond that we have because we have Christ is just incredible. Um, overall, the trip is just it, so impactful, and we want to thank you guys so much. It was fantastic knowing that your prayers and your support are behind us uh, as we go on to Guatemala and, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He did amazing things while we were there. Um, so this was uh, my second time going, and uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but this time um, coming up to the day, I was, I was not as excited or stoked to go this year as previous time, and I think it, it was because it was the busy time of year. I just got back from school, and selfishly, you know, we had family around, and, and, but I knew once um, I get there, it would change, and it, it did. Um, once I, we got to Guatemala City, you pull out of the airport, and literally five minutes in, you start to see the poverty um, and you start seeing the houses and the barbed wire fences and how these people live. Um, and then going to El Moro and lit, uh, I know Sam and Michelle took pictures of so, some of their living areas and seeing the houses they live in and uh, the extreme differences between us and them. Um, it, it seemed that initially that it was the, a bad time to go during the Christmas season, but the more um, I thought about it, we live in a society that commercializes this holiday and focuses on materials, um, and we completely lose, uh, myself included, the, the true meaning of Christmas with uh, celebrating the life um, of, of Jesus Christ, one of the most serving, um, humble, um, man in human history. And so what better way to um, celebrate this Christmas than going to Guatemala and serving these children? And um, it's not just we give them uh, clothes, um, a roof, um, food, because like um, Justin was touching on, that stuff, it all fades. I mean, the clothes will rip. Um, the food, they still go hungry. We give them a hope that um, only Jesus can provide. And it's just it's uh, it's just you go there too expecting I'm gonna bless these kids and it's gonna be awesome, but they bless you ten times more than you'll ever be able to bless them. And I'm just so thankful that um, I got the opportunity to go. Thank you so much for the prayers and the people that um, were this kept, that followed this whole process. And um, it was just this is just a huge blessing, and you can't even explain it. I'm standing here trying to explain it the best I can, but it's just something that. You, you just can't explain it. And so, thank you so much. Um, yeah, that's it. Hi. Um, so, I know you guys didn't get to go, and like we've all been trying to do, we've been, we've been trying to give you a small glimpse of what our time there um, looked like and, and try to let you guys know how much we appreciate and what your donations, your support, and especially your prayer does while we're there. It's amazing to really see like all the work beforehand that you guys don't get to see to um, see the response to it. So um, I'll, Pastor already told you about our, our ride into um, El Moro, and I was just going to go really quickly over um, specifically my favorite time there, which was um, the free time. We had some free time where we got to walk around and kind of meet the kids, and the kids were really anxious to bring you to their homes um, and I don't, show off, I guess, um, and let you meet their families, and all of them have Many of them have like six or seven children, um, and they all have very, very little, but they never stop smiling. 
They have these little smiles plastered on their faces. And of course, that in and of itself is um, its very convicting to think, like, I'm at home and I want this and I want that. And these people have so little, but they're joyful and they're sweet and they're um, excited. Um, uh, the, the simplest form of the gospel uh, was preached while we were in El Moro. Uh, many of us don't know more than 10 words in Spanish, but we were able to communicate the love of our Savior. Um, and it was very humbling to see God use people that I know here and to, like, it was so humbling to see him use me to tell people that he loves them. And um, I would say in, well, I, I, I thought I was saying it right the whole time. And then Justin told me that it's broken. But they understood, and it was Dies Amor Hugh, and that was, I guess, in broken Spanish. God loves you. Um, so there were so many sweet kids, and there was one in particular named Margarita, um, she spent a lot of time following us around, and she found a special place in my heart. During our goodbyes, I so desperately wanted to tell her how special she was and that I wouldn't forget her. Um, I wanted her to see herself through Jesus' eyes, adored, precious. Um, and God. And in that moment, while I'm, I'm holding her face and I'm trying to, to tell her, he smoked my heart and he said, he just, she just needs to know you love, that I love her. She doesn't need to remember you. She needs to know about me. So I just said, like, he loves you. God loves you. Do you have some more you? Um, and she, I think she understood. Like, her eyes lit up. Like, she knew what I was saying. Um, I want her to believe that. I want her to feel it. I want her to accept it. Her to accept it. I'll be praying that when she remembers our visit, she remembers a group of Canadians that came to love on her and her people because God loves her. A little girl in a remote village if nothing else, that he loves Margarita so passionately, so uniquely, so much that he died for her. When we love the way Jesus loves, it's not temporal. It has an eternal value. Um, the beautiful simplicity of the gospel was in serving, loving, and then giving God the glory for it. To work and show kindness, and at the end of our time together to say, because of him we have hope and we love. To know we had lived and given in such a way that our message of hope matched our practical delivery of it. And that is what I will walk away with, that the love of Christ reflected is genuine service with a heart of joy asking for nothing in return. It's a beautiful way to live, and it's most fulfilling, and it allows us to share the gospel honestly. Uh, please pray for the people of Almoro and the people of Guatemala. Um, our prayer in Almoro is that when they see evidences of us there, when they see the roof, when they see their little trinkets, that they don't think of us, that they think of Christ and how much he loves them and how he died for them. Thank you. I, I hope that helps a little bit. It, it really is hard to explain. You, you have to experience it, and, and when you do, your life will never be the same. It, it, it just can't be. And so just in closing this morning, I, I tried to think of, of how um, to express to you, other than the testimonies, which I think really helped the pictures, um, and what it what it is to be like when you're there. And, and so I just thought this morning, I would just briefly share with you several devotional times that we had while we were there. And it sort of, it shows how the week sort of unfolded and what we were, we were experiencing. So just quickly, and I, 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 know, I know what the time is, I'm fully aware of it. But uh, after every day, we would gather together and uh, have a time where we would share what happened that day, what was going on. And then there would be a time, like a, a challenge spiritually on, on what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. And so the first day that we were together, uh, before we even started the group, we looked at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. 
in the beginning God. And the other verse for that was Genesis 2.6, where God says, let us make man in our own image. And, and there were just really two thoughts that day before we started the work. And, and the one was this, that in the beginning God created, that, that God is the creator. He's the creator of all things. You see the beauty of Guatemala as you fly over this mountainous area, uh, one of the top ten dangerous places to land, a plane, a short runway, mountains all over. You see God's handiwork in creation. We see it in ourselves. But God is the creator. He is creative, and we've been created in his image. Therefore, we as individuals were created to create. We were made to work. We were made to accomplish things. We were made to use our talents and our gifts and abilities for his glory and for his purpose. That is why you cannot feel good about yourself, whether in Guatemala, in a, in a shop, sitting around for 10 hours, or in your home on your sofa, sitting on your sofa for 10 hours, eating potato chips. You cannot feel good about that because you weren't created for that. You were created to work, to labor, and to serve. You were created to create. And so a reminder as we got into this was that that was our purpose, not only there, but here. Men, women, young people, hello, how are you? Um, You were created to be creative, to work. But not only that, it's interesting, he says in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our own image. And we see in that statement, this triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, in perfect fellowship, in perfect relationship, loving, um, adoring, blessing, serving one another. We were created to create, we were created to relate. Just as God related in his triunity, we are to relate socially with others. Even you folks who are not people, people, and you know who you are, right? You'd just be as well as to say, I could live in Guatemala on a mountaintop without anybody. The truth is, we were created to have relationship. It's husbands and wives, moms and dads, parents, children, friendship, to relate to one another. And so we encourage the team to build relationships with the school, with the workers, with the children, with Rudy and Suli and Andrea and Fernando and the team. And an amazing thing happens when you, when you do this. It's, uh, people on the trip, some of them I've known their whole life because they're my kids or my niece. Others I've known for many years. But you enter into a deeper, more profound relationship as you create and relate together. And so that was a challenge that day. And that was to set them up for no whining, no complaining, do what you're supposed to do, no hiding from work. This is what we're here for. That was day one. The next day we moved to John 13. And if you've been in this church for any length of time, you've heard the story. One of my favorites, it's Jesus, before he is betrayed, washing the feet of his disciples. And I, I, could, spend, I could spend all day here. That the God of heaven so humbled himself that he did the task of the most lowly servant. A Jewish slave was not supposed to do this work. Yet Jesus washes the filthy Vile feet of his servants. And then he says something amazing in verse 17. If you know these things, happier ye if you do them. You do them. And, and Jesus profoundly tells us that, yes, we were created to be creative, to relate. But in all of that, it's service. It is service. We are to serve. And as we serve, there is an unbelievable amount of joy that accompanies that. I hope you understand this, that 
The glory of God, and that's what we're all supposed to be living for, God's glory. The glory of God is so intertwined with the good of mankind that when we serve and love him, we do experience real joy, real happiness, real peace. That's why you can serve in a village and be exhausted and yet have joy. That's why you can go for eight days taking cold showers like many folks did and still, after catching your breath, have joy. That's why you can labor and work. And that's why here, too, wherever you find yourself, at your place of work, in your family, in your homes, in your neighborhood, in your community, when we serve, there is real joy. And too many of us are looking for ways out of that. You'll never experience joy. Never. If in your home you're always looking to be served, you will always be miserable because it will never be enough. It's not until we give of ourselves, we follow the example of our Savior, and we serve that we find joy. And there's something about this that is magnified when it's done in, in, in community um, and relationship. I think most of us have been to sporting events. You know, if you're a baseball fan or hockey fan, and you're in an arena with 20,000, maybe 70,000 people, if you're at a, a college football game, 110,000 people, and you don't know the guy next to you, but when they score a touchdown, you're high-fiving, you're hugging them. It's like, wow, it's great. Why does that happen? Because there's one goal. We're all there for the same reason, the same purpose. We have one thing in common. And that, my friend, is the church of Jesus Christ. That we are here and we have one thing in common. It is for his kingdom, for his glory, for his pleasure. And as we get together as a church, whether we send some out or we do it here, we are working together to serve and there's great joy and great fulfillment in that. And then finally... Um, at the end of our trip, trip, we just talked about, because it's such a great time of experiencing and sharing, we asked the folks, okay, listen, what are some things that you want to take away from this trip? Some things that just impacted you in such a way that you don't want to forget. And here's what was said. Showing the love of Christ. You heard that a little bit from Sam and others, that, that just in a pure, innocent way, giving of yourself, not even speaking a language, their language, but showing real love the love of Christ, having a passion for the hurting. You know, you look around, and I have to tell you, you look at the eyes of those children, and you see their situation, and, and uh, it, it's, it's heartbreaking, and it gives you a passion for hurting, a love for souls. It's already been mentioned twice about the fact that we give them things, but those things fade. Their souls are forever, and there's a real hunger for that. Um, rightful place of our priorities and we step out of our world and go to a developing world or third world country and realize all that we have, it, it sort of helps us with our priorities, what's important. And, and, and then that what we're doing truly makes a difference. Those were the things that were said. And I think everyone who's gone on this trip or a trip like this, you start to reflect, and those things are true. You say, man, that, that's all true and that's all right, and I love that. How is it that I leave this place um, and continue that? And so as we talked about those things, we were reminded of the fact that everything that I just mentioned, you know, the passion for souls, the, the love for the hurting, the idea of our priorities and what's important, and, and making a difference in the lives of people. Listen, it doesn't matter this morning whether you're in Guatemala or in Chatham. Those things that were mentioned, that's normal Christianity. That's for all of us, or it should be for all of us. And what I find happens to every one of us is um, there are so many distractions in our world. 
and we do not drift into holiness. No one does. It's not like I get saved, I'm baptized, I join a church, and I'm just going to drift into the character of Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen by accident. And we are surrounded with so many voices. We have the the television, we have the internet, we have Hollywood, we have philosophies that are daily bombarding our hearts and minds. It was so funny when we, the four days that we were up in El Moro, no internet, none. And the first day, it's like, uh, right? I had no idea what was going on in the world. I had no idea. None. I didn't know who was playing on Sunday and who won and who was going to play us in the NFL. Nor did I care. And it was good. It was really good. We got back in Detroit, and we had to stay. My, my niece, her flight didn't leave until, I think, 8 o'clock. And so we didn't want to leave her at the airport, so we took her out for, for dinner, and we, we spent some time with her and her grandparents. And um, she was so funny because we had the Internet now. She said, I just feel overwhelmed by all of this information that is just downloading on me. And we get distracted. So how is it that we come back here? And how is it that we live here? And we, we don't lose sight of what's really important. And the bottom line is we must be walking with him. We must be delighting in him. We must be depending on him. We must be available to him. And I know our church hears this all the time. And, and I know for some of you, are like, okay, here it comes. The gospel. Can I tell you how all of us, whether you're going on a mission trip or not, how we continually go back to this, we have to pre- preach the gospel to ourselves every day of our lives. Because when I do that, when I understand that Jesus Christ loved me, my identity is not what I used to be, or who I once was, or all the nonsense and the garbage and the, and the skeletons in the closet. That's not who I am anymore. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I have been redeemed, washed, made clean by him. I'm a new person. When I understand that he loved me, he lavishes love on me, and I know how unworthy I am, how really unworthy I am, how can I not love my neighbor? How can I not have compassion? How can I not, as one beggar, tell another beggar where they can find bread? When I understand through the gospel that this is not all there is, that this life that is short and brief and fleeting opens up to eternal life or eternal death. And because of Christ, I now have eternal life. How can I not then set my priorities straight that say, listen, this house, this car, these things, they just don't matter. When I understand the gospel, how can I not daily say, Jesus Christ, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for loving me. How today can I show gratitude for what you have done? I wish I could take you all to Guatemala. Guatemala. I really do. I wish I could take every one of you there. Uh, maybe not all of you. Some of you would irritate me. Um, you would. Uh, uh, um, okay, I'm sorry. I have to forgive. I've got to forgive me. Sorry about that. Um, but we're honest and human, right? This was a great team. I have to tell you something. Um, I've been in the past, and, and we've had outsiders sort of join our team, and it's been kind of crazy. This was a great team, and it was wonderful to be with these folks for the entire time. But I wish you could go, and I wish you could see it, and I wish you could experience it, and I, I'd encourage you to do that. But more than that, this morning, I would say to you, um, if we here 
can't allow the gospel to change us in our daily life here, then you'll go there, you'll be excited, you'll cry, you'll come back, and you'll be the same after a while. But if we can really grab a hold of this gospel, the gospel does not only save us, the gospel changes us. And and what we're doing here, it does matter. It does As a single adult, what you're doing here in the power of Christ, understanding the gospel, sharing the gospel, it makes a difference. Yeah, it makes a difference in your home as a parent, how you respond to your kids, how you teach them, how you instruct them, how you try to live out the gospel in front of them. Yes, it makes a difference eternally in your place of work. When you're there and they knew what you used to be, and now they see that you're the guy, you're the girl who tries to be honest, you try to do a good job, yeah, you blow it, but you apologize, and you're making progress, they see the work, it makes a difference. Among your family who they grew up with you and they know you and knew what you were like and they say, wait, he's not that way anymore. We are making a difference. And so this morning, I thank God for the privilege and opportunity to go. I'm thankful for the people um, of El Moro and Rudy and Suli and their family and and all that we experienced and the team there and, and your support. But I would encourage you this morning as we leave this place, not just for the team who went, but for all of us, to step back and, and really think your way through the gospel of Christ. Not just, yes, I'm a sinner, God, you know, sin, I've got to pay for my sin, and Jesus said, no, but really think your way through that. And say, okay, Lord, by your grace I've been saved. Now, Lord, allow this gospel to daily change me as a man, as a woman, as a teenager, to understand that what I'm doing here where you've placed me is of the utmost importance. And I can make a difference for eternity. My spouse, my kids, my relatives, my neighbors, my friends, my coworkers. And so God, use me for your glory. That's what we need to do. Let's have a word of prayer this morning.